everybody. It's Pastor Dave here, host of your favorite, well, the podcast you're currently listening to, co-host, along with Michael J. Nelson, of Light Trees Walking, which is a podcast where we do what, Mike? What do we do here? Well, we do a lot of things. Today, you're going to be excited. I don't think this has ever been done on a podcast with no video. We're going to talk. <laughs> We're going to teach you how to sharpen a knife. Don't huh? oh, whoa 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 don't 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 give it all away. That's yeah, we're I'm saving sorry. that to the end. The knife sharpening, folks. That's true. That was our go-to. Uh, no, as iron sharpens iron, what we do here on the show is. <laughs> Uh, we take on the big issues of life, of humanity, ethics, religion, politics, sort of. Not not really political. We're not. We're, we're not pun. We're not political pun. You're no, not going to no, get no, pun. No, heavens from. no. No, no, no. I guess I retract that. But we do talk. But we do talk about the political, right? I mean, yeah, things are going to end up there. But mostly, okay, mostly. I I buried the lead. Yeah. L e d e lead. Yes. Um, <laughs> which is. We are, the, this is Pastor Dave, and I am his parishioner. So we are unabashedly sort of uh, orthodox Christianity. We kind of represent that. Sort of, absolutely. <laughs> Again, I have to retract my statement. Small, small O, small O orthodox. We're yeah. not, no, I am no, no, not, no, yeah, I am sorry. not. Uh, I thought that was implied. I'm not doing o. the divine service of, uh, you know, St. Uh, Basil or whatever. Yes. Uh, I'm not going to live on. Mount Athos or whatever. All right. <laughs> Small C Catholic as well, I yes. guess. So we could go through all this. Yes. But anyway, no, we're we're, we're sort of uh <laughs> big C Christian though. Big big big, big C, C. big C. Christians. We believe it and we have to wrestle with these issues and we thought you might like to eavesdrop on us wrestling with the issues cuz we're all <laughs> stuck with them. So we might as well talk about them out in the open and we welcome you to sort of listen in. Uh is that Sum it up. I think that's great. I, I had a lot of uh, problems getting through <laughs> that, some... but I eventually I stuck the landing. We're we're what you are is here. We are. We're atop one uh, LTW tower, and so you're on the other side of the wall. You've yeah. got a can or a, a glass to the wall, and you're getting to hear me and Mike hash this out. Yes. Yep. Sometimes right? we come to blows, and that's part of the fun of this show. Uh, but today we have something that I think the pastor's going to. It's not a total surprise to me, but I don't know the content of it. That's so right. I am going to simply try to steer the ship as he uh, uh, navigates through. All right, this is analogies off the rails. So why don't you just go? Ahead okay, and do here's the here's here's the topic. It's it starts with a small petty grievance that grows into a big topic, as with many oh, things good. do in life. It's, now it, I'm rubbing my hands together. A, you can't a, hear. Wait, it's maybe a petty can. grievance that takes me back to my seminary days. I uh-huh. graduated. I. Uh, I, I went to Princeton Theological Seminary in New Jersey, and uh, just so folks know, it is so not— So you went to Princeton? <laughs> yes. Princeton Theological Seminary, it is not affiliated with the university. <laughs> okay. Though, as I've said before, seminary students don't mind if you make that conflation. Uh, you know, we, we, we like to get a little bit of that shine. Sure. It's- I went to Harvard. <laughs> I, I mean, I drove by Harvard. <laughs> I know it's like when pe- the annoying people, Ivy League people, are like, "Oh yeah, I went to I went to college in Cambridge." You know, just <laughs> yes. like the just the biggest fakers in the yes. world. You you're all about, but Princeton is the Princeton of seminaries. I think it. You know, it it it, it, it listen. It has a good reputation. Yes, we'll just say yeah. that. Yep. Uh, yes. Or depending, I guess. Uh, if it, no, it does. It, it does. does. It's a thing. It's a th- you don't. T- 
a lot of these places you apply, you get in automatically. Princeton at least has some selectivity, but it's not like I mean, you, folks. you don't have to qualify this. Okay. Everybody knows. This All right, but anyways, impressive. I went there. Okay, yes. I went there, and I went there from. I'll even I went there in the the late. Is the aughts the the zeros the zero years? Yes, mid to late aughts is when yeah. I was in. So nineteen hundred and three. <laughs> so I, those are the aughts to me. I re, yeah, I recently put my birthday wrong. I transposed two numbers and made it like I was born in the twenties. So, so when thought they were dealing with an eighty year old, surprised at how an eighty year old, how young an eighty year old person. <laughs> you look great. My gosh! Wow. So, anyways, yes, I was taking Christian ethics. This was a three thousand level course. Okay, I mean we're in graduate school, so shouldn't everything be like? But it's not. You know, you start in your your 1,000 level courses. You work So even for graduates, do they just call them 1,000 levels? Yes. Really? Yes, they do. Yep, yep. I mean, and and seminaries... Just to humiliate you? Yeah, I mean, you want to put your... And seminary people... I've got a Master of Divinity, so people want to know how the, the, the... Like, what grade you're in, what year you are. You start as a junior. In graduate school, yes, you st- I did not know this. And is then, this true for everything? No, I think it might. I I don't have experience. Just your on fancy it. Princeton play, and then so you start as a junior. Yeah, your second year. What do you think you're called, Mike? Uh, frosh, a stinking frosh. You'll never know that. No, I don't know. What is it? You move on to being a midler. Midler? Yep, midler. This sounds like this had to come out of like the UK, <laughs> and, right? And then this you're a senior, be- so yeah. it's a junior midler senior. Midler, yeah, Bet Midler. Um, so yeah. does, doesn't it seem like some like a British guy in a tweed suit came up with that? I, 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 I think we should call them. I don't think they deserve the term seniors. I, 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 I think they should be called Midler, right? Yeah, I don't know. So, anyways, all right. So this is either my Midler or senior. I can't remember exactly when, but I took a Christian ethics course. Sure, uh, and I'll name the person uh, with. Yeah, I'm going to name the professor. Name and shame it. Yep. Nancy Duff. Duff, not Duff Man. Duff Woman. Duff Man. <laughs> Duff Woman. And she, Nancy Duff, uh, uh, she was my professor. And uh, she, she, her teacher, her Dr. Vater, I think, as they call it, uh, that's like your, you know, whoever was supervising your dissertation, they call your They doc- call you what? Dr. Vater, like your doctor father. My God, where are these terms? Well, they're German. That's We're mixing German, German and German, English. And the, and the British. The great joke, the great joke, Mike, is that the Germans invent the theology. Yeah. The British teach the theology. The Americans learn the theology. So that's another. Okay. You guys are getting that's real the, window. Okay. That's, no, that's the kind of humor that like musicians do when they like, <laughs> you know, they have a bag they carry around. It's like flute players do it on the, you know, whatever. It's like, yeah. All right. <laughs> that's about the kind of humor we're at. Okay. Very, very bad. But anyways, she, her, her Dr. Vader was the great, he's long dead, Paul Lehman who was at actually Union Theological Seminary, who himself had a very close... So this is why this is important. Had a very close relationship with uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Wow. Yeah, because Bonhoeffer came, you know, he came to Union uh, in, I think, the late 30s. And they tried to get him actually to stay or get him out of Germany again after the rise of the Nazis because they knew he was going to be, you know, they thought, like, he's not going to be safe there, which ended up being right. Um. As Bonhoeffer famously died near the end of the Second World War in a, in a concentration camp, he was hung. Uh, so Paul Lehman, you know, was famous in American Christianity as a Christian ethicist. ethicist uh, I think largely because of his tight relationship with Bonhoeffer and kind of seen as someone who um, 
helped maybe even expose and popularize Bonhoeffer's uh, works and teachings to an American audience. Gotcha. And so, okay. you know, I mean, that's like if your Dr. Vodder is Paul Lehman, who was tight with Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that's pretty cool, right? All that to say, like, you know, Nancy Duff, well-respected in her field, but she gave me one of my worst grades. And in the grade inflation era, like a bad grade is a B, um, which yeah. let's just be honest, because if you just show up and are bad, you get a C, right? Uh, th- that is not my experience. I am older than you. In my age, I would get Fs, which I, but I, I don't, I don't know that they give Fs anymore. No, and and I think gray inflation. I don't know if it's only gotten worse, but it was bad when I was when I was in school. It was already bad. It, it, a B was already a C, you know, and A okay. was, you know, what I mean. Like it just, it, I don't think it meant the same. It's like eBay ratings. Yes. Please give me, please contact me before giving me a, you know, 97% rating. Perfect, perfect <laughs> example of this. I went to like look at an Airbnb the other day and it was 4.75 stars out of five. In a normal world, it's like, wow, that's really close to five. That's those amazing. Guys, those are rocketing. Yeah. You go, what's wrong? Why is that what four happened, man? It's like this podcast. I'm like upset that we're not five stars. It's like, is this the best? Is this a five star perfect podcast? No, not at all. Like, we're a solid three and a half, I think, you know, but like, seriously. Yep, great inflation on our podcast. It's either like, and that's, the world has basically, I think, devolved into like pass-fail, basically. Like, that's just how we kind of evaluate everything, you know? And so it's harder to recognize, it's harder to recognize true excellence, but, you know, whatever. Yes. Anyways. All that that said. I don't think, oh, geez, I'm I'm very exercised here. I just hit my mic. He gesticulated wildly, hit his own microphone. I got to be because I took a chance, Mike, and I wrote a paper where I did not agree with the professor. I knew, and I knew she would not agree with me. Mm -hmm. Because, and the question was, the the question was about, like, pick a a topic, you know, a hot topic. And I picked the death penalty, Mike. Oh, there's the third rail right there. Why'd you grab that third rail? Because I thought this is interesting. To me, don't you the, pick like puppies or something? And just to me, the death penalty is an interesting case, and and I was inspired by reading um, an analogy, an indirect analogy that was made by Martin Luther. I can blame Martin Luther. He gets blamed for a lot of things. He wrote a, a an essay, a great little essay or tre- I suppose it was a treatise that he published called on a whether like a soldier whether soldiers can be saved I think yes. was the title of it yeah. um just thinking about given the uh you know it's one of the commandments in there it's like a it's like a top six I think uh thou shalt not kill or is it murder thou shalt not that murder, murder we, one of the yep good that's yeah. a that's would be an important part of that question to answer yes. okay. thou shalt not kill thou shalt not murder and in the beatitudes Jesus talks about what? Turning. Turning the other cheek. Turning the other cheek. Someone hits you, hits you on one cheek, turn the other cheek also. So you have those pa- uh, passages which sort of tend towards pac- seem to tend towards pacifistic interpretations, right? And, and, yes. and nonviolent interpretations. And then you have also uh, a passage like in Romans uh, 13 where Paul talks about, you know, that the, the state, you know, the, the magistrate or the civil authorities, the king, you know, they don't, they don't bear the sword in vain. So the sword being basically like if we were to translate it, translate it into the sociologist Max Weber's terms, like the monopolization of, co- you know, the state is, what is the state? It's the mon- monopolization of coercive force the legitimate you know which is seen as legitimate or whatever they're the only ones who can make you do stuff Uh, does he cite the the uh so jesus on the cross with the criminals and they say like the criminals like we deserve death yeah yeah 
And then Jesus could have said, like, no one deserves death. Yeah. From the, but that was not said. That was not, that was not so considered. That, so, so, so Luther's just yeah. saying, you know, the question is, given this, like, can, can a Christian be a soldier? Can a Christian engage? Which the vocation of a soldier involves killing. That's just... A, a, yeah, that's your job. That's part of it. You're going to be, and especially back then, like, we have a standing army. You can be a soldier in the United States Army or modern armies today. You're probably not going to kill anyone. And maybe that was true back then. But it seemed like they were, you know, like warfare was a constant aspect of, it's, a, it's it has been a constant aspect of, of human civilization, sure. basically, is, is warfare. So, and he makes it, he, he, Luther says, he says, war is horrible, it's hell, it's awful. You know, and he follows in a long tradition of just war that has to meet some certain very specific criterion and conditions. Yeah. And under those, yes, like a Christian, given that under those circumstances, war or can be licit, can, you know, that so then a Christian can engage in that behavior because they're not bearing the sword in vain. And when you act, you know, like the e- the evil of war can prevent even, you know, greater evils, right? So Correct. Like if, yes. if someone's invading and they're going to, rape and rob and pillage and harm like kind of self-defense right yes that there's a there's a and some would say that's a natural right of self-defense and yeah but you see it there in scripture right that you that there are times where as lamentable as the reality of killing is in this fallen world um there are circumstances sometimes doing the least amount of evil which i think is like a commandment means yeah. doing some like for instance lying if someone is like beating up a child and then the child runs away and then they run past you, the the beater, and says, "Where did the child go?" and you go, "I, I don't I know. Don't, I don't know." Right? You just lie. Well, <laughs> right? Like, so your lying is wrong, except if there's a someone runs do yeah. the least amount of evil. <laughs> right. right. Okay. A person runs into a shopping mall with a with a gun and they start shooting people, and a security guards there and they shoot that person like that is yes. justifiable. I think that's basically inarguable. Yes. Okay. So Luther says, yeah. and then he makes the analogy to the police. He says, well, are there certain, he goes, well, of course, if we accept that, like that, whatever the equivalent of the police or the, you know, magistracy or whatever was back then, yes. if they, if there are circumstances under which it's justifiable for them to use, um, deadly force, then certainly it must be for, uh, for soldiers, and so he made that move, which I thought was interesting, from um, like kind of from police to war. And so I was saying, well, if we can recognize that in war, can we, do we work that back the same way? In that that there could be there are circumstances under which not just the police stopping someone from doing something, but that a punishment, a just punishment, could include um, could include sure death. You know, sentencing someone to death. Like, sure. is that could a Christian support that? And I argued in the affirmative. Now, I'm not like a big death penalty person i think that there are but i said i can imagine a world in which that's completely justifiable for example uh if you just think about like a pre-modern society think about the amount of like and you have like a john wayne gacy type figure right like a serial killer menace sociopath yeah it takes a lot of resources to incarcerate someone for ever right like think about the amount of money it takes you have to have someone watching them and you have to build an edifice and you have to someone have someone guarding it yeah. all of the time and you're going to do that for the rest of that person's natural life and if they ever get out there they could do serious harm again so just kind of like from a kind of consequential perspective like 
the amount of cost associated with doing that could be on be beyond the capacity of a certain society to do and maintain the health and safety of its citizens. Correct. And so yes. I think you'd be fully justified in a circumstance like that. Um, yes. Having something like the death penalty, yeah. you know, let alone that you can go on to say that certain acts are so heinous, right? That, uh, that, that there's a kind of like ex, ex, like some kind of expiation, right? Like there's a punishment which says that this is like so bad um, that humanly speaking, you know, like death seems like it's not a, um, that it's not, it's like not, there's no way you could do anything to this person that's proportional to what they did. And so that death is actually not like cruel and unusual in those circumstances. Right. right. And so that's my basic argument. I know that there's people who push back against that, but I thought it's a case that is defensible um, on these particular grounds. And you were asked to do it. So the, yeah, you were like, you could make this case. You could make a case. It wasn't, the assignment wasn't tell us why the death penalty is wrong. Yeah. Right. You know, that right, was right. not the assignment. It's yeah. like can a Christian support. And I thought I made a compelling case, especially since we were supposed to use the resources we were given in the class, one of which was Martin Luther's Can a Soldier Be Saved? And and to how to like creatively use that, which I thought that I did. I did a very good sure, job. Sure. And she just did not like that I took the contrary perspective. And I'm not being like because I can accept flaws. Like it wasn't the best piece, the best thing ever written. But it was just, you could tell that it was because I didn't tow the party line. Mm. She did it. And so all that I want to say is, Nancy Duff, I think coming back years later, like, I think it was fair. I, I think the, and, and maybe I didn't raise my, like, problems. I think it is a big, the state killing an innocent person, that's a huge risk. Like, to do that is very, 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 very bad. And maybe we could say that the risk is just too great to ever, you know, Execute well, someone? Can, can I just and, and again, I'm just I'm raising my hand here. Yep. You don't see it, but I'm raising my hand only as like I'm just putting up the contrary points. I'm not. This is not. May or may not be my opinion. Okay. Uh, the consequences of letting murderers out don't more people die because it's just something to think right. about. When you say like we're just going to put them into regular incarceration, then they get out. Those people do go on to kill a lot of people. So. If you are, it has happened for sure. It happens. It's very, very much noted. So I'm just pointing that out as a data point, and then I'm pulling back. So, and that people who, uh, uh, and we don't. I'm sure it used to be different. I'm sure actually, maybe there was a time where intentional, like premeditated. You know, we're not talking about accidents here. We're talking about premeditated murder. Where that maybe there was a time where like that was always a capital offense. I'm not sure. I don't know enough about the history of like the yes. law at all yeah. to say. Yeah. My only understanding is that basically in modern American jurisprudence, it's been reserved for like crimes that are just viewed as like particularly heinous. Yes. You know, that there is these like aggregating factors that it was against innocence or there was like a an underlying like cruelty um, exhibited in it or just like the a math like – like that there was a, a certain evilness, I guess, even associated with. You think of like Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that guy is like. I don't evil. even want to. He's horrible, right? I mean, that guy is a real jerk. To, I mean, to quote. But no, I mean, like he, because he enjoyed it, right? And, oh, and the, the absolute demon. Yeah. The, human, like not even a human being. I, the, I don't even know how you qualify him as a human. And I hate to, like, it's, I don't know what to do with it. But this. he like, to, 
you know, he reveled in like inflicting terror upon his victims and yes. terrorized a city. I mean, think about lo- living in Los Angeles yeah. area in that time and then showed no remorse. I mean, and I mean, he had gro- what's wrong with people that he had like groupies? Uh, yeah. What yeah, is just wrong creepy. with people? But all yeah. that to say, like a person like that, you can go and there's no question about his guilt or innocence. You know, no, there's no, no, no. He, he crowed about his, he enjoyed his murder. It's he not like it. one of these guys who's like, got just, you know, there's basically no evidence and they get railroaded and then killed. And afterwards it's like, Oh, whoops. Uh, the DNA thing. Like there's certain circumstances in which there's no question. And you go, this is so heinous. It's so evil. He killed scores of people. So to take his own life is, as I said, it's not, per- it's, it's, it's a severe punishment, the most severe punishment, but it's not disproportional to the offense that has been committed, you I know? No. And in fact, one could argue that, like, locking someone up in a cage under those circumstances, uh, alone by themselves, right? Because they'd probably have to remain in a kind of a solitary setting. Isn't that in and of itself, like, a form of horrible, inhumane, awful punishment to subject someone to basically decades and decades of isolation? Almost total well, isolation? Let me address that with this. This is just a question for people who raise that argument about, like, I don't want. I don't think you should have the death penalty because I want that person to suffer more. I want them to live their entire life knowing how bad they are in prison. Like, oh, so you think that's worse? Yeah. So that's even more cruel. So that's more cruel then. So that that's what you're saying. Like, I don't think that. I, I just want people to examine that when you say that. That's a because, like, I I think if you ask the the person. Mm-hmm. They'd go like, you know, I'd prefer to stay alive. Like, oh, really? Well, we're going to make you rot in a prison. Yeah, or why not? I mean, why not keep the person alive but, tor- you know, torture them? Well, that, like that that. Would, that's what these people seem to be saying. Like, it's got to be torture. Like, okay, so you think that life imprisonment is worse and you want them to suffer that? Just hear what you're saying. That's all. Anyway. So all that to say, I recognize that that. When it comes to, and Luther would say this, that when the state bears the sword, it's a grave responsibility. The yes. way that the state wields that is, um, this cannot be done flippantly because ultimately those who wield the sword, they don't do so in vain, but they're accountable for their actions to God, which should fear one with fe- fill one with fear and trembling. Yes. A, a misuse of that coercive power against people is, I mean, it's just a grave injustice in, in any way. And anytime you're using that force and exercising that force we need accountability and correct per my conversations that i've had over the course of this past year and a half like that there is something like we give that power you know to police or whoever and it's like that's inherently coercive it's inherently violent to be arrested is to be subject to violence in the sense that your liberties are being restrained if only for a limited period like you are not allowed to go where you want to go. You have to go sit in a car. Now, you can do that easily or you can fight against that. But we've said it's okay if you fight against that to have people basically re- physically restrain you yes. and do what it takes yeah, to do that. Yeah. So that is like – that is crazy. Like to have that much power over someone is yes. is is incredible. And so um, so I recognize the, the, the how open to abuse um, that could be. But that doesn't, you know, the the old saying that abuse does not, you know, disallow proper use, and so the death uh, death penalty, any sort of like exercising of uh, of of lethal force, um, can be abused and should be have the most strict 
rules attached and associated to it um, and the most strict accountability. But it can have a proper use. Um, you know, in these questions, Luther was dealing with in a, in a society that considered itself Christian. Um, but could, could we do that as Christians living in a, you know, post-Christian uh, liberal order? Can, can, you, can you, as a Christian in good conscience, participate in those things? And I think under certain, um, cer- if certain criteria are met or certain circumstances are met, that that is a justifiable position to take. All right, that's that was that's, my claim. That's all well and good, but mostly you just want to beef against the. Steeper. I do, man. She should have just. She, she just did not like. She was just hating, and it was obvious. And so okay. I'm just Nancy Duff. It should have. That was at least a. It was at least an A minus paper. Can we? Uh, do you think you get a hold of her, and would she ever hear this? And then we could have her on the air. And the saddest thing is, we should. We should, she, she could come back and just rip holes in it. It would be fun, but. And I, why, like, my theory on this, why I think it's true is I wrote another paper where I just completely said what I thought she would – right? After after that, I wrote another oh. paper, and I was disingenuous. You took the other side. I did. I took the other side, and um, uh, and it was not, like, a super controversial or a hot topic, but I just took the other side on something, and I got, like, a, a just very high marks. And so I thought wow. – I thought this is someone who just – and that's a trick that you learn. Uh, you know that basically like just writing what you think the professor wants and but there's something so sad about that it is it is sad i remember once a baby i talked about on this podcast when i was uh, i used to get called in to do the remember jesse ventura oh uh, our, our uh, famous former, governor former governor yes. former governor uh star of uh predator among many <laughs> other things i've lived under uh Two predator governors, by the way. It's just a. I, yeah. I think I've talked about how I made that joke yes. my first Sunday at a church in California, and I was like, "I only want to live in states governed by <laughs> yes. people who are in the predator." Exactly. Crickets, crickets, and I'm oh. like, "This is good material." So uh, that was golden. Thank you. Yes, I did the same thing. We we both lived under predator governors <laughs> to, to catch a predator. Uh, anyway, uh, oh Jesse Ventura. So he had a he was developing a talk show. It was maybe on like CNBC or something. But they would a producer would call me and go, "Hey, we need you to come down. We know you can be on TV and talk, and we want you to. Uh, uh, what's your take on marijuana laws?" And I would say my take on it. I'm not going to get into it. And then he would go like, "Yeah, we already got a guy that thinks that. W- would you take the other <laughs> position?" And I would go like. Yeah, I mean, I'll do it since it's not going to air. <laughs> yeah. So I'd come out and make jokes, and, and Jesse Ventura would go, you really believe this garbage? You know, and I would go like, no, your producer told me to say it. <laughs> anyway, it was very, it's, cause it's just like debating class, right? Yeah. yeah, just tell me what you want me to say. Like, why did you ask me if you already have a guy that believes the other thing? Like, it's just for Jesse Ventura's never going to happen talk show so uh, like i wish those are if whoever has those tapes folks please 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 oh, leak, no, no, leak no. those tapes out no do we not. need we need the mike we need the mike nelson i'm sure they're arguing in bad faith to the ground yes jesse's got them in a vault he's quite the uh, conspiracy theorist what i'm just asking the questions this is not a conspiracy i'm just saying yeah, is there a council that rules the entire world and they live in the North Pole? Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. All right. Funny, fun factoid before we get to the, we'll wrap this up, but a neighborhood in Minneapolis changed its name to Ventura Village. You look on like a neighborhood map. Wait, yes. in honor of the bearded one himself? I, I've done some research 
And not the song by America, Ventura Highway. No, no, no it was like, and that's not even his real name. Right? No, it's uh, James Janice, I believe <laughs> yes. is his name. Uh, it was to get attention from him, like it, it appeared because he didn't like live in that neighborhood either. It, it's like Mike. It makes no sense. And in my limited research I've done, it wasn't because they like loved him or wanted to honor him. It was somehow they were going to be able to get his attention. For their issue, it's like the most random neighborhood in Minneapolis, too, folks. Ventura Village, look it up. Like, wow, it's yeah, it's kind of by downtown. Like, Mike, it makes absolutely no sense. And like, this doesn't happen very much that a neighborhood changes its name, and it's Ventura Village. To a former wrestler from the East West Connection, uh, was his wrestling team. All right, but he was you know one of our great Minneapolitans. He truly was. And remember what he said about Saint Paul. Oh, but the, the Irish designed it, and they're too drunk, and that's why it doesn't make any sense. And that was one of his first acts, was to say that St. Paul, you couldn't drive through it because it was designed by drunken Irishmen. And as a, as someone from Minneapolis who, my grandma's 100% Irish, not 0% drunk, but it rings true. <laughs> All right, we'll take a short break, and we'll be back. This is going to be knife sharpening. <laughs> knife sharpening here. Wow. Everyone, thanks for listening. And Professor Duff, if you find yourself listening to this episode, I appreciate so much of the education that you provided for me. I just wish you would have a little bit more of an open mind when it came to that essay. But it was what it was, all right? It was, it was a lot of years ago. It's water under the bridge now for me. Uh, but everyone else, uh, if you're grading this podcast, uh, we ask that you consider its place on the bell curve, which is, as far as I'm looking at it, man, it's way over to the right. This is an A-plus podcast. So if you could grade us in that fashion, rate, review, like, comment, share, we would really, 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 really appreciate that. Uh, at LTW Pod on Twitter, uh, Like Trees Walking, we, we do have Facebook, a very unactive Facebook page. And so we just want to direct you to those places, um, those billboards that we've placed in the digital universe um, where you can see us for, for some reason. Um, and so let's get back to the show. And, folks, you have not – we're going where no podcast has gone before. Knife sharpening live. Okay. We are back. Thank you, Pastor. And as promised, uh, let's talk about knives. Yeah. This is a um, – I don't know. It's – it. An eccentricity of mine, and I have many. I have admitted, I have admitted this many, many times, and my friends all laugh at me. However, when it comes time and I use somebody else's knife and it's, like, so dull, it makes me angry. Like, angry. And, and one of the moves that I do that really does not, my wife is not thrilled with this at all, is I will run the knife across my neck. I re- <laughs> Mike did this to his arm when I was here, yes. and you're like, uh, you, like, you're like, this guy's he's a cutter. This is so bad that I cannot cut myself with this knife. God. And so uh, I'm going to test. Uh, Pastor Dave brought his knife block over. I, when was the last time you sharpened your knife? So I'm gonna say I'll say this: we got the knives. My wife and I got them when we were married. We were married. All the way back in the year 2004. Okay. Yes. Now, and you know, you, no one teaches you about sharpening knives. And so you've got like the, well, you've got like the honing thing. Someone got, teaches you. It's okay. me, okay. but I'm not. Listen. Okay. So anyway, go uh, on. You weren't in my life. Yes, okay. For a long true. time. That's all right. 
and so you got the, you know, you get the thing and you think it's the sharpening stick. I mean, oh, I, the steel. The steel. Oh, so, no, 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 no. Yeah, Mike. No. So, you know, I go, you know, you yeah, do yeah. that for all, you know, and you think like you're doing something for years and years and years. And then we got a cheap one recently, but it was a cheap sharpener. A cheap sharpener, like one of the five dollar ones. But like, did it have carbide steel little cutters on it? I don't know. It's like got the two slots. Yeah, uh, you know, one of them is probably carbide. The other's probably and, and ceramic. S- and so we use it, but like, I don't think we've gotten it. It went so long without getting like a proper, proper, proper sharpening that I'm sure something like that is probably good to keep it going, right? Like, or is it not? It's it's not. What okay. we're gonna do? Mike, we're gonna, so I, that's, no, what I we're thought I was do, doing the right thing. What we're gonna do is I have one of those cheap sharpeners. Okay. Okay. We're gonna do one of your knives, the least, the knife that you do, that you like the least. Okay. We're gonna do it in the cheap sharpener, okay. and then we're gonna get the Mike Nelson treatment, and you're gonna get a razor sharp knife. And we're going to compare them on the air. So it's going to be a little Are we going to like slice paper or what are we going to do? Like cut your throat? Like what are we doing with this thing? You're uh, shave with I mean, it? how do you demonstrate it on air? We have there's to like no cut. We have I, to I do, chop You know what like. I have? I have uh, little bits of like wax paper Yeah. that if you can cut that, it is razor We're sharp. doing that live. We're doing we're it gonna, live. We're, we'll do it live. <laughs> we'll do it live. Um, but we're going to do two knives. He's doing uh, Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> flaring nostrils right now people everyone stop right now watch bill o'reilly while we go sharper than ice and we'll be back you won't notice the pause because we're going to be right back but during this thing we're going to sharpen two knives it's going to be fabulous this you're, is great at the radio. end of it you're going to want to have the sharpener that i have and recommend okay and good so, because i'm like I'm, I'm your knives are garbage <laughs> okay. I mean, there's right. no there's no way around all right we'll be back with sharp knives in just a moment so long okay and we are back. What yeah. I think is going to be one of our most popular segments ever. <laughs> this might be people might request that we do this on a regular basis. Having place. sharpened knives. And what did what did my uh, my lovely wife Bridget say? Like, why don't you guys grind the knives <laughs> on air? <laughs> Which, you know, I wouldn't put it past us to do that, but no. probably not We've, going to for all the disgusting mouthing noises yeah, <laughs> that we exactly. have made on this. Wet podcast. mouth noises. <laughs> all right. So tell them tell them what happened. All right, so we went out there with my uh, with my knife set. Uh, I brought the whole block over, and uh, and and so Mike took out the chef's knife. I mean, that's that's your main that's your that's your main knife. That's your main knife. It's that's your workhorse, your, you know. Yes. And so uh, butcher knife. Some people call it right. Uh, no, butcher knife is different. Well, butcher, yeah. Has I feel a different... like people call the chef's knife a butcher knife. That's incorrect. So, but. Uh, Someone can correct me, but I think that's incorrect. So, yeah. So, for those of you, think of the biggest knife in your set, typically, is what we're talking about for the chef's knife. And so, this is your workhorse. This is what you can basically, if you have a good chef's knife, you can basically do anything with a good chef's knife. Yeah. And so, we went out there, and Mike said it was dull. It was very dull. Um, He put it up to a piece of paper, and it was just like... I don't know, Mike. You 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 describe it. Well, okay. So you have two sharpeners. <laughs> oh, people! If we can only, if only there were a video. Uh, you had. Uh, I have a cheap sharpener that you have as well, which is carbide steel, which cuts the steel off your blade. The first stage of it. Sometimes it's two carbide steels of different. Yeah, but anyway, then it's usually a ceramic sticks that are roughly sixteen degrees per side or something like that. Maybe twenty degrees per side. Whatever. Uh, those. Uh, they kind of work, I guess, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't use them on my knives. 
um, they grind off a lot of steel. So I did that to show him, yeah, you can sharpen a knife with this. So I took one of your paring knives and did that. And it was marginal. Yeah, it definitely, improved, it definitely improved the import performance. Yes. But then I sharpened it on a belt sharpener yeah. that I own. That's my knife sharpener. Uh, I did it about, uh, what did I do? 15, 16, 16 degrees, degrees per side. And started at a, a, a heavy grit because he had not sharpened it in a while. So I had to grind away a lot of metal and got it down and then honed it, have a honing belt and everything. There was anyway, like so, six, be- folks, there so were six belts. So here we go. So here we go. Here's, right, so Mike's here's a piece of fine wax paper uh, that I have. It's a parchment paper. And here's the knife just uh, just slicing, slicing it. Mike, folks, Mike is just right holding. Into, I'll take a picture uh, of your hand. Um, we can post this along with the episode. Oh, the parchment oh, yeah. paper slicing. You can actually you fold, fold the parchment paper over and then cut along the the non-angled wow. parchment paper wedge, and it cuts right into that. So we now have what I would consider a razor sharp knife for you. A chef would you knife. use that knife? Of course, I would use this knife. Yeah, I'm not a big German knife fan. I don't like the bolster. Mm. You know, the little the piece of metal that runs along. There, that thick piece of metal between your... Yes. Some people love it. Between the knife and the handle. Like the handle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a bolster. Uh, I like a bolster-free Japanese-style knife. High carbon steel tends to be my uh, thing. But this is a good German steel. I think you're going to be very happy with this. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. So... I don't know what we do with this other than to say... <laughs> Mike just sharpened a knife for me. We sharpened a knife. Folks. For a podcast, as ladies and gentlemen. As, That's what we did. As iron sharpens iron. Yes. So Mike sharpens my knives. Uh, by the way, Pastor Dave looks very tentative as I'm, he uses his knife. And I'm, I'm scared. scared. I'm very scared of him. But he just sliced through I the I sliced paper. through it, so, folks. Yes. Uh, so, well, because I'm worried like I'm going to overdo it or something. No, no. You're going to be fine. Uh, as iron sharpens iron, uh, so we sharpen knives here, and we also sharpen your intellect. I don't want to cut. I didn't cut your. He tape. just like I did not uh, cut your through tape. one of the cables that runs to our main <laughs> system, so this podcast may be delayed. But anyway, this is like trees walking, and I'm Michael J. Nelson. I'm David Berge, and we'll be back with more knife sharpening tips. That's mostly what we're going to do now. <laughs> we're so becoming well. a knife podcast. <laughs>